Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Dolphins Rewind on the home of every Miami Dolphins game. AM 560, FM 99.9 HD2, The Joe, WQAM, and streaming on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Lexus, who invite you to see, hear, feel, and experience amazing. All right. Week four, we've got football today, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show. Dolphins and Colts, it's coming up just a couple of hours. Dolphins look to get back to 500. Good morning, everybody. I am Solana again. You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Rewind Show. We'll be on 8 a.m. every Sunday throughout this season. Dolphins lost a tough one last week to the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll touch on that in just a couple of moments. You got... The Dolphins 1-2, and and now the Indianapolis Colts are coming in at 0-3. I think they have losses to the Seahawks, to the Rams, and to the Titans. So, got to have this one today if you're the Miami Dolphins. You're on the road versus the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. You don't want to fall 1-3 to a winless football team. Go 0-2 at home, right, before you have to play the defending champions. We'll look ahead to today's game later on in the show as for that loss to Las Vegas, um, in Las Vegas on Sunday, look, Dolphins, I mean, Jacoby Brissett did everything he could, right, in that fourth quarter and in overtime to give the Miami Dolphins a chance. You thought at the end they were going to pull off some sort of miracle like they did last year in Las Vegas. Remember Ryan Fitzpatrick getting his face mask pulled somehow, throws a uh, a, a, a pass to Mac Hollins and and Mac Hollins even gave you a little something special, picking up a 15-yard pass interference the other night uh, or the other day, I should say, in Las Vegas. So uh, it was a tough one. I would have, and I know this was the topic all week, right? Would have liked to see the Dolphins go for it on fourth down. I understand why they didn't in overtime. You're down three. They played for. Uh, for that first down, they throw a shovel pass to Mike Kosicki on third and three. That upset me more than kicking a field goal on fourth down because the shovel play, that same play, hadn't worked a couple quarters before, but that was the play call by the co-offensive coordinators. Dolphins come up short. They're forced to kick a field goal. I know people were upset that the Dolphins kick a field goal there because you kind of saw what was going to happen after that, and a lot of people felt like Brian Flores played for the tie there, but... I don't blame him for going for the field goal. He defended his decision. He knew he was going for the field goal. There was no hesitation there once you fail to convert the third and short. So, look, Flo did what he did. He played it safe. He went for the three points. 
His kicker makes the field goal. At the very least, you have a tie. And I get it. I get it. Sports fans in America and the United States, they don't understand the soccer ties. They don't understand that. Nobody wants to tie. And I didn't either. I wanted the Dolphins to come out with a victory in that game because after everything you went through, after the poor production from your offense in the first half, you were still in that game. Jacoby Brissett puts something together at the end. I don't know what it was in that fourth quarter, but puts together this drive. He gets into the end zone essentially as time is expiring. And you felt like the Dolphins were just going to pull one out of their you-know-whats in Las Vegas. But they don't, so they're 1-2, and two, and they'll play the Colts today. Something else that was pretty amazing that happened at Hard Rock Stadium yesterday, celebrating the life of the legend, Coach Don Shula. And earlier this week, very special guest joined the Joe Rose Show with Zach Kranz to remember the late, great Don Shula. We got a special guest. We have a special weekend here. Uh, a celebration of life for Don Shula, and this next guest going to be here in town for it. Uh, one of the better draft picks over the last, I would say, first round pick, number nine, right overall. I mean, came in and played right away, and uh, put up sick, just sick numbers. Played a long time, seven Pro Bowls, and he joins us this morning from Houston because we can't get him to come back here <laughs> and live in South Florida, where I miss that original. Mercedes Benz. Richmond, do you still have that bad boy? It's still in the garage. <laughs> Morning, Joe. How you doing? That's awesome, Richmond. That is awesome. You're the best, man. Right. You kept that thing the whole time. Still driving. That thing got 350,000 miles on it, and it's still going strong. What does that, Richmond? How many miles on that thing? We got about 180 on there. We're we keeping it low. <laughs> we, don't go, we don't go too far. Still riding. That's all that matters. Still this rolling. Still yeah. rolling. Uh, yeah. Hey, Richmond, uh, I know you're going to be in town, and and before we get into everything, I'm just curious. It's so funny through the years, and we've all had fun Coach Shula stories, and we've all had our ass ripped by him, and, and you know, you've seen guys come and go and the whole thing. But what made Coach Shula such a, a great coach when you just look back and you talk and people ask you about Coach Shula – what made him so good with all those wins? Well, I, I think for one, uh, like I said, for one, he was a great coach. But um, just his consistency, and I, I think what he figured out early on, way before I got there, because, you know, the undefeated teams and all that, but um, he paid attention to the little things. And I, I think he finally, I think he figured out that, you know, there was a lot of parity and there were going to be, be games that, was going to come down to either mental errors or penalties or things right. to beat yourself because the competition was so close. And that's why he was a stickler. And if you had mental errors or penalties, you know, if, if I had a penalty or mental error, when it got time to come to the sideline, I find out where he was and just walk the opposite <laughs> way and try not to make contact. But he will make his way down that sideline and be screaming and hollering. I was like, Oh no, but, I think that's why we had success was because of, of the little things. Not so much. I think everybody, you know, focused on the big things. We make the big plays, but just the mel, you know, focusing in on errors and penalties and things to beat yourself. I think that's what that's that's where he really excelled at. The accountability every day, man. I'm with you, and the mental preparation was just in, incredible. I, I agree. The discipline. Um, I never felt like there was any wasted time. At practice, you were there. You didn't have an hour and a half to play grab ass. I mean, he just – it kept rolling, and then he got you out of there. Did you feel that way? 
most definitely feel that way. And I, I'm going to tell you, when I really felt that way, speaking of pressure, was on Friday mornings, uh, we would have the weigh-in, and then during the team meeting, if you were overweight, he would announce not only how you were overweight, but how many pounds and this and that. And you were in there with all your teammates, and it was just like a peer pressure thing for me. So I'd be doing everything to, you know, try to keep my weight down. And sometimes you'd be in the hot tub, the hot tub over at um, – St. Thomas, you'd have to run hot water through the water hose in there, and the guys being there trying to get their weight down. <laughs> I, I, I don't miss. I miss the guys, but I don't miss those days because that was some pressure, bro. I mean, every Friday, like Thursday night, you know, I'd eat fish sticks or a light little salad, just enough because I didn't want to cause anything to cause my weight to go up because I did not want to hear my name. Saying you know Richmond Webb was a plus five or plus six, I was like, oh no, that that was the worst for me. So if I could make it through weigh in, I was good. Yeah, it's amazing these coaches, man. Like if you're overweight, they find that to be like disrespectful for the weight, right? I mean, right? If you're like, ah, so I give you this weight at three fifteen, you come in at three twenty. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, that. I'm not saying what you weighed, Richmond, or nothing like that, man. I'm I'm not trying to do that on the show. Hey, by the way, you you were part of one of the, the great stories. Um, we lost him. He was a third-round pick in, in your draft, Alfred Oglesby, and the abduction of the car by the two men and the kidnapping. Um, take me back. It was, it was your car. What were you thinking when the car never popped back up and they couldn't <clears throat> find him? What was going through your mind, man? Well – you know, Miami is a great place, but there are some certain areas in Miami, if you get caught up, you know, something can happen to you. So I right. think that was the initial thing because first thing, you know, we were wondering, he didn't make the meeting, this and that, and then we were kind of freaking out. And then I said, okay, I got to go talk to Stu Weinstein. You know, he was kind of guy security, this and that, so go talk to Stu. And, you know, he had a real good relationship with law enforcement, so – Went to the meeting. He didn't show up. Went through the first practice. He wasn't there. So then, you know, it was two days. So then we have a little break lunch. And then um, me and uh, it was another one of my Aggie teammates. He was there for training. His name was Keith Woodside. He was a running back. He had played at Green Bay, but he had signed with Miami. And we was wondering. I was like, man, I hope they, like, robbed him and and, – Possibly threw him in the Everglades, you know. Yeah, right. Alligators. It's all kind yeah, of stuff right. in your mind. Yeah. And you're right. I had, I had the BMW with the rims and stuff. And it's like, man, if they catch you slipping, you know, it could be over. So didn't hear anything. We um, go through the second practice and on the way back to, you know, walking off the field, you're ready to take showers. I, I believe I heard Stu say they found him. So I was like, okay, good, because it's been since – probably seven in the morning. It was probably four or five. So um, I think the thing that that really stuck out about that was that was, I can't remember what year, but that was a year that we could actually stay at home instead of sleeping in those beds at St. Thomas. Cause I remember I used to have to put a board underneath <laughs> between the mattress. And oh, the, it was um, brutal. The, oh, it was oh, terrible. It was brutal, bro. <laughs> and so all these veterans were pissed off you know, Marino, Duper Clayton, and um, <clears throat> Coach Shula was pissed because I think he came in, 
He told Coach Shula one story, which was a lie. And Coach Shula went on the media with it, and then he confessed to the laws that it wasn't that. And, and oh, then, God. You know, that was the worst. You oh. know what I'm saying? That was that – was, so uh, I can remember – what was it? We was getting out of meetings or whatever, but they um, – a bunch of guys grabbed him, and um, I think it was a tree or something. And I think, like, I remember – I want to say Duper and Clayton, but they had that – inch and a half or two inch tape and they went to running around and they taped him they taped him to a tree because we had to come back in to stand oh. at St. Thomas again because he screwed it up for everybody. Oh, oh my god. So the whole team, oh yeah. that always worked oh. with the coach. That yeah. was brilliant, man. Yeah, was bad. And yeah. uh yeah. Were you I mean you're talking about him, but were you thinking about what the hell happened to my car? <laughs> I mean it was your ride, man. It was crazy. It was my ride oh I oh I forgot in the story. So let me tell you this, Joe. So you know Miami. Okay, so they found my car. They found the car first. The car was on like 55th Street. It was in Liberty City, but it was in 50th Street. I said, what in the hell is going on? I said, you find the car, but you don't find him. Ooh. That was when I really liked the I said, man, yeah, they right. didn't, they didn't, he probably got jacked and, you know, they he gone, you know, so – I was happy and sad at the same wow. time. But then the the bad part was I never got that key back to that car. So I was always leery that if I go somewhere, somebody can just hit the hit the yeah. if they got the key, they can hit it and check. So I, I after that I shipped it back and um, I think I got me a, um, a, a Chevrolet extended cab pickup truck and kind of fixed that up a little bit. Yeah. I was like, nah, I can't. Yeah. Done with that yeah. one. Right. Oh, wow. That's it. Richmond, I got to ask you this. I mean, because now we're dealing with it with the Miami Dolphins present day and for the last couple of years, at least, or decade or whatnot. You're the ninth pick overall. You're the first round pick. You come in and you start from mm-hmm. day one. What's that like? And Dan Marino, Don Shula, like you went into a team that you literally, there was a lot of pressure on the ninth overall pick that year. Oh, it was. And, and I figured that out because, you know, in college, we watch. We watched Monday Night Football, and the Dolphins was always on there. So I already knew about Marino, knew about Coach Shula, because I grew up um, a Cowboys fan, you know, Tom Landry. So it was like Tom Landry. It was only a couple of coaches that kind of fit that mold or that were the the icons in the NFL at that time. And Coach Shula was one of them. So get to South Florida, both of them already Hall of Fame status. So, the only thing in my mind, the only motivation, which was fear of, I do not want to be the guy that gets Dan Marino hurt because I never wanted to be remembered that way. And that was motivation to keep me, um, you know, wow. trying to stay focused or whatever. But that I did not want because I knew that would not be a good thing. I knew that. It didn't take long to figure that out. I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. Richmond, you played against maybe the – I mean, the debate will be forever, but Bruce Smith's always in the conversation, the greatest pass rusher. You played against him twice a year in some of the greatest matchups in the history of this franchise, going against that big stud on the outside who ended up with like 200 sacks in his career. What was that like, man, twice a year knowing he wanted to get to your guy? It wasn't fun, I can tell you that. (laughs) I mean, it was was, uh, 60 minutes of hell, but, you know, even though it was, I knew it was going to be really tough, I always kind of looked forward to playing against him because 
that was the measuring stick. So if you could do pretty good against him, you know, it's not going to get any worse than that unless you had to go against Reggie, which, you know, I was like, I'm glad he's on the other side. I got enough with Bruce. Thank goodness Reggie's on the opposite side. But um, the thing was, was that it, it was good, but it was frustrating at the time because, you know, back in the early 90s, we had some really good teams, but Buffalo just was just a little notch better than us, and that's why they went to those four Super Bowls. So, you know, it was it was great when we beat them, but it would always be sometime we might split with them, and then we'd have to go there to play them in the playoffs or whatever, or play them in the playoffs, and they'd normally come, come out on top, and I think that was the frustrating part, but had a lot of respect for him. Didn't really like the Bills. You know, it was a big rivalry that you had to respect him because they had some yeah. great teams back then. Did you and Bruce going at it the way you did? I know at that point you guys were both getting Pro Bowls and all those things. Did it ever get ugly between the two of you? Because obviously both of you wanted to win and he was probably used to having his way with a lot of guys. Did you guys ever have your moment with the extra shoving or – Cause you're not a talker. I've known you for a long time. You don't do a lot of talking. Did he ever try to talk you down? No, no. I'm gonna tell you what happened. This this was um, this was early on. I'm trying to remember. Okay, Joe, you remember Tim McHire? He came yeah. from the 49ers, right? And and what happened was we were playing the Bills, and they had we had a Dolphin show. I can't remember the name of the show, but anyway, Tim McHire was on there with Keith Sims. And, you know, Tim McKay was a trash talker, this and that. And so, um, if I remember correctly, I think they asked um, Keith Sims, what do you think about the Buffalo Bills defense or whatever this and that? So, McKay kind of like, you know, hey, just whatever, you know, let them know what you think, this and that. So, he pretty much said, what he said was the truth, but um, they took it as locker room material. Basically, he said, I'd rather run – at Bruce Smith, then run away from him. Oh. And, uh, he said something about, but really, I'm, I'm going to tell you, he was held to cut off. So, in essence, <laughs> what he was saying was true. It was not a disrespect, but a lot of times when people don't really know what you mean, you just make that one statement. Yep. It's locker, it's locker room material. So, um, I remember the game, and uh, they were pissed off, and I can remember the defense got – you know how the uh, the visiting team get announced first, so we're standing on the sideline. Me and Keith always standing side by side, and um, they announce Buffalo's defense. So when Bruce comes out, he's looking over there and he starts pointing his finger and this and that. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> people looking like <laughs> people like, um, hey, wh- what'd you do? I said, I ain't do nothing. I said, hell, he ain't pointing at me. You know this and that. So we get in the game, <laughs> Joe. We get in the game. And it was actually funny, but they all, I think Phil Hansen, Bruce, Cornish, all these guys kept taking, uh, finding a way to line up in, in front of Keith. They didn't beat him, but they was like pissed off. And I was, <laughs> to me, it was kind of funny because we still blocked them. But I was just like, man, this is, oh, that, man. That, that, that was that was funny to me. That but was yeah, a scary group yeah. of guys in that Yeah, that, that locker room Ooh. material, though, it's wow. amazing that that stuff does work, man. When one team gives it, even though we're talking about yeah. grown-ass men, that still yep. motivates them when you call one guy out and every all your buddies going, oh, hell yeah. no, you ain't going to talk about Bruce like that. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And, and he he wouldn't really cut, couldn't call him out because 
we already know he was held to cut off. It's almost <laughs> like you can get in front of him in some kind of way. The next thing, he's two yards on the other side of you. You'd be like, how the hell does he keep doing that? So, I mean, I agree with it. Hell, I'd rather run at him than try to run away from him, too, because at least you know where he is. But, yeah, I was like, no. But, yeah, it was just they took it the wrong way. But that that was a funny story. I was like, man, it was just. Yeah. Okay, Rich, here we go. Richmond, I got, I got to ask you this, and I appreciate you staying long because this has been fantastic. I knew you were going to be fantastic, man. I've been out and had drinks with you. I've seen that show, so I knew this was going to happen. But I do want to ask you, so Austin Jackson comes in as a first-round left tackle. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've been watching the game, but he's under – he's getting, to put it nicely, he's getting critiqued pretty good for his play. Not everybody lines up day one and plays left tackle the way – you were able to do what would you what advice would you give to austin jackson who still playing it i guess pretty good run blocker but the pass protection's got to get better what do you say to a young guy the 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 thing that i do and i had to do this during my career joe i think it was my second year um and back then the media coverage and social media was not near as what it is now but um we had went to tokyo played the raiders and I hurt my um, my knee. So I missed, like, the rest of the preseason, first two-season games. So I had this big brace um, I was playing with. So I didn't feel as quick. It was awkward. So it was a mental thing I had to kind of get over. So um, I think I used to read the paper, and they gave me a bad grade, like a D or an F, the way I was playing. I was like, man. So now I'm reading what people are thinking about me and this and that. And so um, – I mess around and put in the paper that, um, you know, hey, I'm not 100%, which I really didn't feel 100%, but I was playing. So it was it was right around lunchtime, and the next thing you know, one of the um, – it wasn't a coach or whatever. It was one of the, the guys that helped out maybe in the equipment room. I can't remember. It was a uh, assistant guy. He said, hey, Coach Shuler want to see you. I was Ooh. like, what? I was like – that, I knew that was never good. I said, you see? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, damn. So I'm, I'm like freaking out because I got to go back here. Never been to his office. It's the only time I've been to his office. Thank goodness. So I go back there, and uh, first thing, he just likes him. Hey, what, what in the hell is this you putting in the paper? You're not this. I said, coach, I'm not this and that. And he's like, um, he said something. So he was just ranting, just ripping me up. And I was like, I said, hey, coach, if you won't put somebody else in there, you can't. I was like, man, you're killing me. So he said, no, 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 no. He said, he said, you got to determine the difference between being hurt and injured. He said, guys play with kind of injuries all the time. He said, you got to find a way to, you know, do what you got to do. He said, but nobody's healthy in this league, this and that. So I said, okay, I didn't say anything else. So I was pissed off because he didn't rip me up. But then <laughs> – I had to get back and think about it. And, and after I thought about it, I was like, you know what? He's right. Nobody gives a damn if you're hurt or whatever. If you line up out there on Sunday, you better be ready to play. Cause they're going to say, Oh, Richmond's knee hurting a little bit. So I'm going to take it easy on him. This and that. If anything, that's, that's an opportunity to right. a stat game for him. So I had to change my mentality and it really helped me finish the year out strong but what I also stopped doing was I stopped reading the paper, this and that, because, and I, I told somebody, I said, get off social media. I'm like, 
if they ain't got saying nothing good, you are you don't you don't that's one less thing you need to deal with. So with him, I just shut down social media to yeah. after the season. If I had to do an interview, I do my interviews, but I wouldn't read the paper, wouldn't be, you know, ESPN. I would try to shield myself from as much negativity yeah. and just focus in on trying to be a better player and and the rest of it wouldn't matter to me. I'm like, let me just continue to try to get better and, and that's what I would do. I get off social media and Stop reading the newspaper and everything because they've been pretty rough. They've been pretty rough on him. You you are right about that, Richmond. This has been great, man. Can't can't say enough. You just came out with a plus effort, man. You just graded awesome. perfectly, man. On seventy five plays, and you got you got every one of them was a plus today. So we want to thank you. Can't wait to see you this weekend for uh, Coach Shula's the celebration of uh, Don Shula's life. So thank you so much. Thanks, really Richmond. appreciate it. Hey, I'll see y'all this weekend. Thanks for having me on again, Joe. I appreciate it. All right, Richmond, you take care. Let's get back to Dolphins Rewind on the Joe. Brought to you by Lexus, who encourages you to experience amazing. So I mentioned the throwback jerseys in the last segment. Dolphins rocking the throwbacks today versus the Colts. Obviously remembering the life of Don Shula. Just seems like the perfect weekend, right? To be rocking that old school logo the old school look, such a clean look. I was there Thursday night, Dolphins, uh, or excuse me, Miami Hurricanes were playing Virginia, and the end zones were already painted for the throwback game today. And um, it seems like in South Florida sports, you can never find consensus on anything, right? Going back to Ryan Tannehill, half the fan base was done with Tanny, half the fan base still loved Ryan Tannehill after that seven-year marriage came to an end. Tua Tungavailoa, Half the fan base out on Tua. Half the fan base can't wait for Tua to finally take off. Really, you could do it anywhere, right? Eric Spolstra, in the most absurd, probably, example, Eric Spolstra, two-time NBA champion head coach, just took the Miami Heat to the finals. There's still the Fire Spo contingent on Twitter. Just everything in South Florida sports can ever find consensus. This is, I think, the one place you can find consensus in South Florida sports. Make the Dolphins' throwbacks their permanent look again, right? I think everybody agrees with that take. I don't think anybody has a problem with that take right there. Throwbacks, they should be the permanent jerseys moving forward for the Miami Dolphins. I hope you're listening, Stephen Ross, because, uh, yeah, got to happen. Anyways, Safed Dean, he joined the Hawkman and Crowder show again. I'll remind you, 2 to 6 p.m. weekdays here on 560 QAM. Dolphins, Colts, they're coming up at 1 p.m. Hawk and Crowder talk to Safed Dean. He is now the USA Today Sports Plus NFL national reporter about the Dolphins and you know some of these lingering issues plaguing the team. But the, the Dolphins offense has struggled mightily the last couple of games. Is this anything more than an offensive line issue, or does it begin and end with offensive line? Oh, no, 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 no. This is very, very deep issue. This is an issue that's played the Dolphins for the past three seasons. And this is Brian Flores being on his third set of offensive coordinators. Um, these are, you know, two offensive coordinators who George Gossi has some play calling experience, but uh, probably about like 10 years ago, maybe um, even more than that, I would say. Um, so you have a, a lot of guys on this coaching staff, Brian Flores, staff who are first year, second year coaches, including the O-line coach who's a first year coach. Um, the, the, the offensive coaching staff is very, very inexperienced. It's not probably a unit that you would want to have when you're trying to groom a young quarterback like Tua Tungabailoa. 
Um, so that's probably my deepest issue the, that that's at the forefront of it. Yeah, the O-line has some struggles. Maybe that's on the coaching. Maybe that's on the players. A little bit it has got to give or take here and there. But I was actually really impressed with how the Dolphins, you know, tried to close out the game last week in, in Las Vegas. Um, Jacoby Brissett probably had the best drive of his life before, you know, the end of the fourth quarter. Um, and then for, for the Dolphins to get a fourth and nine, for them to get a fourth and 20 in OT, then to, to convert that, then you got the fuller call, which they, you know, that was badly missed. That was a really bad pass, interception, uh, pass interference call that was not called for the Dolphins. Um, and then, you know, the, the next play after that, pretty much, they're on third and three. They have an inside toss to Kasiki, and they're not really fooling anybody. Um, you know, Dolphins don't really have a good O-line. They don't have a good run game because of the O-line. And then they keep pounding the football like they have a good O-line to run behind. It's a really not a great recipe for success when you have to pass the football. And uh, this, this, this game against the Colts this week, it's going to be a grind-out game. The Colts aren't that great either. So I'm expecting a low-scoring game for sure. Take the under on this one, Hawk. All right, I'm in. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> and, 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 Safi, what do you think? Because I, I got a little upset, but, you know, clarify it for me. I think Studsville, Studsville, he said that we want to go deeper, we want to stretch the field, but the defense isn't letting us. Isn't that your job to find a way to go where the defense doesn't want you to go? I thought that was the chess match of football. You know, I was frustrated last season when, you know, Lynn Bowden Jr. is, like, catching passes, like, less than five yards from the line of scrimmage. And the same thing with Jalen Waddle, like you said, you know, having all these passes. But, what, 60 yards, 70 yards maybe in that game? Um, look, Jalen Waddle is, is, is the key to all of this here. Uh, if I'm the Dolphins' offense, I'm feeding him the rock. I'm putting him all over the field. He's going to be at the X. He's going to be at the Y. He's going to be in the slot. I'm moving him around. I'm trying to get him the ball, force-feeding Jalen Waddle the ball, okay? This is your fastest player on the team. He's probably your most, you know, the, the most explosive playmaker that you have. If you feed him the rock on the outside, some, some, some passes on the inside, crossing routes over the middle, um, there's no reason why you can't be able to move the ball with him getting a couple good plays, and then you start sprinkling a couple with Kasiki, sprinkling a couple passes to Devontae Parker, get Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed to, to run the football or, or get some passes out the backfield. Um, I think Waddle's a real good X factor here, but I don't think the Dolphins know really, you know, how to use him yet. It's like if you, you got a brand new Lamborghini in your garage, but you've been dri- driving a Camry your whole life. You don't, you don't, you're not ready to punch that gas yet. Um, and I, I think they need to feed Waddle a little bit more and then work on everybody else on the outside. Safed Dean from USA Today Sports Plus. Canes fans, I know you said your friends tuned out when we started talking Canes, so I'm not going to talk Canes here, but Canes fans, a lot of them on social media or on the text line, they are done with Manny Diaz. They are done with Blake James. Some Dolphins fans, we're starting to see it now, I'm imagining you are as well, are reaching an inflection point with Chris Greer, and then some are even talking about Brian Flores. Now, where do you stand on Dolphins brass? Where do you stand on Chris Greer and Brian Flores? Well, look, uh, Tua going down week two is obviously not great for what the franchise wanted to do in, in this year three of them being together, Greer and Flores. Um, it's not the ideal start to the, re- to the third year of a, a rebuilding process or the next stage of what the rebuilding process is supposed to be for the Dolphins. But, you know, if I'm Greer and I'm Flores and, he, and these, these losses start to pile up early this season, you, you know how you, you turn on a gas stove and it's got to click a couple times? Click, 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 click. And then the fire comes on. I think we're in that click, click, click stage right now for, for the Dolphins, for, for Brian Flores and Chris Greer. Um, it's not hot seat time yet. It, it might be time to start turning on the stove. The fire is not getting there yet, but 
Um, look, this is a, a layer of issues going on with this team, and it's a reason why they haven't taken the next step. Tua being injured is not ideal. This coaching staff being very inexperienced all around is not ideal either. Um, not having an offensive coordinator in place, you know, for Tua's first two seasons, not ideal. And then the best thing, the, the best part about this team is the defense. The defense is still playing really, really well. It's hard to argue, you know, to play. It's hard to play offense when you're being guarded by Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on the outside, Jerome Baker running all over the field as well. The defense is really keeping this team together. It's keeping this team in games. I expect them to do that against the Colts this year. And for as long as the season kind of, you know, holds on, it's just going to get to a point where the defense starts seeing the offense is not moving the ball enough or not scoring enough points. And then they're going to break more than bend a little bit more than usual. And talking about Chris Greer, just looking at it, Safed, like, let's go back to 16. First-round pick, Tunsil, gone. 17, Charles Harris, gone. 18, Mika, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, gone. 19 is Christian Wilkins, who's, who's playing well, made some plays last week. But 2020, Tua, he's out. Austin Jackson is struggling, and Noah Igbenogany is not even dressing for some games. I think the criticism of the draft, you can start saying, is legit. Yeah, I would say so, too. I mean, you're two years in, you're looking at your three first-round picks, and do you even know if you hit on any of them? Can't even say that about Tua. Um, and, and the thing is, if they hit on Tua, the other two would have been – it would have been okay if they didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, I think with Austin Jackson, it was a player that he was the fifth offensive tackle off the board. It was a reach in the first round of that draft. Um, you know, he was coming off of a year after, you know, donating bone marrow to his sister, um, and an incredible act by him. Um, but it affected how he play as a senior in USC. And, and this season, he starts the season with COVID. So you don't know how bad of an effect that had on him. But some early signs are not returning right now for Austin Jackson. He's going to get it together. He has to improve. He has to play well. And I think he could do that. And Noe Igmanogany, it's, it's tough, man, because you draft him because you didn't know how healthy Damian Howard was, right? And then Xavier Howard, sure enough, becomes healthy, plays all 16 last year, leads the league in interceptions, and now your second cornerback is not your big problem. They also signed Byron Jones as well. So I, I feel like if, if Xavier or Byron Jones, Jones has an injury coming up this year, knock on wood, you hope that doesn't be the case. But that's really the only way you're going to get Noah Igbenogany on the field. You're not going to put him in front of those two guys. And maybe he's not better suited to play the slot or any other position on defense. At least get him on the field for special teams. That's what they did last week. They couldn't even do that week one and week two. But I see the reason why they drafted Noah Igmanogany, and, and I even think he was a reach in the first round. You know, great kid, great talent, but he needs to be cultivated. And and this Dolphins team, when you take young players that need to be coached up and need to be cultivated, you have to have coaching that's great as well. And like I mentioned, too, first-year, second-year coaches, Brian Flores has a lot of faith in his coaching staff. Granted, every coach is going to have faith in their coaching staff. Some more than others, some more warranted than others. But when you have developmental players that you that need developing, and you have coaches that need developing as well, it could be everybody developing together or early struggles together. And that's kind of what we're seeing here with this Dolphins team, especially with Austin Jackson, especially with Noah Benogany. Welcome back to Dolphins Rewind on the Joe, brought to you by Lexus. Experience amazing. Six fifty-five up to play first quarter was scoreless. Car out of the shotgun. Back to throw. Looking, looking, pressure. And it's picked off by Robertson. He is gone. 
nobody's going to catch him. A pick six by a Landon Roberts, and the Dolphins take the early lead. Boy, Carr had pressure on him and never saw the Landon Roberts. Wow. It meant a lot, you know, uh, just the place. I had uh, tore my ACL last year, so it definitely uh, meant a lot. You know, it was just a good play. That's it. Trying to make a play for the team. Final segment here of the Dolphins Rewind Show with Solana here on QAM. That was Alain Roberts, though, taking it to the house versus Las Vegas. Opened up the scoring for the Dolphins. You get out to a nice seven-point lead. Dolphins really gave... Their offense, a 14-point cushion going into the second quarter in that Las Vegas game, uh, if you think about it, because on the very next possession, um, John Gruden decides to go for it on fourth down, down 7 to nothing in his own territory, in Raiders' territory. Terrible coaching decision. Dolphins make Dolphins defense make John Gruden pay. Dolphins hold them on fourth down, get the ball back. Malcolm Brown gets a touchdown a couple plays later on a hole that opened up. You get a 14-point cushion there because your defense makes two really good stops, one going for a touchdown, and the next essentially leading you to a running touchdown. And then the next two quarters, second and third quarter, the Dolphins' offense just could not get anything going. Very tough. Very tough. Hopefully that changes today. Jacoby Brissett facing his former team, the Indianapolis Colts, who essentially gave up on him as a starting quarterback. Jacoby mentioned it this week said this isn't a revenge game, uh, but I don't believe him. I don't believe you, Jacoby. I know Brissett wants this game for two reasons. One, he wants to continue to prove to everybody that he's a starting quarterback, including Brian Flores, by the way. And second, wants to beat the team that kind of gave up on him. They did. Indianapolis Colts Dolphins coming up later today. But the guy you heard coming into this segment, Alandon Roberts, made it a Incredible play versus Las Vegas. He's been having a really good season. You'll hear from him right now. He was on with Joe Rose and Zach Krantz earlier this week. Good morning. Thanks for waking up early with us. We appreciate it. How you feeling, man? I'm, I'm a good to be able to join you guys' show this morning. Oh, Andon, thank you, man. I appreciate you saying that. First of all, what is that like dropping back there? The receiver goes inside, and there you are, and you catch it and you take off, and it's a long one. Is it in the back of your mind going 82 yards for that pick six? Somebody might catch you. What's going through your mind? <laughs> now, when I first took off running with it, uh, you know, I knew I was out. But then it was, I ain't going to lie, it was long, so I, I kind of checked the jumbotron. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't see nobody by me. So I just shut it down and jogged the rest of the way in. You know what's funny about that? We've had more guys have pick sixes and say, I go, how did you know if somebody was close? Look it up. And they go, I just took a quick look up at the screen right. to see. That, that's funny right there. Landon, was that, that was your first career interception, correct? Yeah, that was my first career one. How about that for a touchdown? Oh, that, that's, right. a, that's, that's crazy. That's a good one right there. Hey, listen, we, we got a lot of stuff to talk. Can I go through the pet peeves real quickly, Landon? I, I want to yeah. get this off my chest. So. Going back to the first game, I haven't seen you. I haven't been around you to talk to you. You just absolutely on a blitz destroy a running back, get in and make a great play on third down, take the quarterback down, and they call you for a a low hit on a play. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do when you dip your shoulder and and blow up a running back. Uh, I'm curious, what were your thoughts on that call, and what did Coach say to you about that call? 
Um, you know, he didn't really say nothing to me about it. You kind of can't teach a play that, that, that don't supposed to be called, you know. So uh, it happened, and, shoot, I just kind of moved on from it. Uh, we are still able to, you know, win that game and right. whatnot. But, yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to get answers just like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just saw it, and I, so everybody comes up to me, you know, all the old school guys going, Wait a second. So you blow the guy up what you're supposed to do. You get the quarterback to make a bad throw out of bounds. You're going to get they're going to kick a field goal. They're going to get shut out by the way, not have a touchdown if that play stays the way it is. And uh and all of a sudden they call that and I'm like there's nothing. I guess they want you to stop and stand up and then try to get the guy in that little area you have cuz that's hard to do. Man, I, I don't I don't know what they want me to do, but uh if I if I could do it all over again, I'd do it the same way. Well, absolutely, <laughs> man. Well, that's what I wanted to hear. Hey, the second part is this helmet to helmet because you are a you're you're a thumper, man. And these guys drop their head, and there's going to be helmet to helmet. You can't take helmet to helmet out of the game. How frustrating is it when they call that? Um, it's frustrating. I think I think uh, the NFL. Uh, when it comes to to that, I think they I think they do a way better job than uh, college. I'll be watching a few college games, man. Okay. I'll be seeing them just making regular tackles, and they hit the helmet, they throw the flag and review it. I'm like, well, how you supposed to tackle, like, you know? So I think uh, NFL, you know, it's it's mainly on uh, defensive defensive guys like receivers coming across and stuff like that. Yes, I've never been called on one for. Uh, but hitting a running back square in the hole, you know, I, I've never uh, been called on nothing like that. So, uh, yeah, because that that ain't that's impossible. <laughs> I don't know how right. I not do that. Right. What's more satisfying for you at this point now that you got that first interception down and, and you ran it in for a touchdown? Doing that, maybe doing it again, or just dropping somebody at the line of scrimmage or behind it? Because since you've been here in a Dolphins uniform, you've got three or four of the biggest hits I've seen in the last ten years, twenty years for this team. Um, man, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I used to always say, nah, I'm gonna drop somebody. That's like the big thing to me. But <laughs> to be honest, like, you know, catching the uh, interception and uh, taking it to the house, you know, it's it's a big te- uh, tempo change for, right. for the entire defense. You know, uh, dropping somebody, I might be setting the tone for the, for the, uh, for the defense, but, you know, being able to make a big turnover play for the team, and whatnot like that, you know, it's a, it's a huge uh, swing in the game. So I have to say a pick six. Landon, uh, I want to ask you about the run defense. At times, it looks as dominant as ever, and then it starts to leak a little bit in the number of 136 yards a game. What needs for you as kind of the core piece there behind all those defensive linemen? What, what do you see needs to, to get better? What part? How does it get better going forward? And honestly, I think uh, each week, you know, each week we just got to, uh, uh, you know, be able to come in, you know, look at film and, and see and where, you know, where we can get better at with that and what what's the issue and stuff like that. And um, I think uh, as we do that, week to week it'll get uh, tremendously better. Is it is it assignments just to follow up on that? Is some of that just assignments? Guys get freelancing, wanting to make plays. Is that some of it? 
Um, I, I think it's just uh, you know, everybody just doing their job, and um, and and that's it. You know, including myself, we all just got to do our job and um, and, and start stringing the run stops together. You know, you can't just stop it uh for one series. You got to continue stopping for the whole game. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's just what it is. You know, it, it's still early in the season, man. It's a long season. Right. Uh, it's a lot of adjustments that uh. That you know, what I'm saying you can make each week, and, and that you're gonna see the course of the year and whatnot like that. And it's just, it's just week three, and um, yeah, we chipping away at it, and um, you know, week to week we're gonna uh, make the strides to get better at it. Landon, one of the great numbers for this Miami Dolphins team, um, 24 games with a defensive takeaway is uh, incredible. Not easy to do. To think all these takeaways from last year and it's carried into this season. Um, talk about that. How do you go about getting takeaways? Is that something that's coached up during the week, that's talked about, that this team's been able to get so many of them? Oh, we definitely pride ourselves in it. You know, uh, we have our uh, turnover and takeover drill, you know, each day that uh, Coach Josh Boyer uh, really be on us about and the coaching staff. And we just go at it, and uh, it's definitely uh, translating over to the uh, football field. Landon, one thing that Joe likes to, to point out a lot, and I love when he uses it, is uh, the last year, of course, we saw it a lot. Uh, we've seen it this year a little bit. But that your, front, your kind of front seven, that dancing seven, not letting the offense kind of see where you guys are, who's coming in, who's, who's, who's going to be rushing the quarterback, everything in general. How much is that to your guys' advantage when you use that kind of defense against an offense where they have no idea who's coming in and who's rushing the quarterback? Um, I, you know, uh, it's an advantage. You know, uh, we have some smart guys. The entire defense uh, is smart, uh, physical, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we just take it one play at a time and just uh, do, you know, what called is called. And, you know, we just try our best to, uh, you know, make sure that what we practice during the week that we're taking it to the, uh, the game field. Hey, Landon, uh, we appreciate you coming on this morning. I got one final question, if you're okay with this. Um, you spent some time and played in New England. Um, any interest when you get home that night to turn that TV on and watch Brady going back to play Belichick since you've been part of that Patriots thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll, be, I'll be tuned in to that one. Yeah. I'll be tuned in. You know, first uh, take care of hours and then – you know, late on that night, I, I, I definitely be tuned in to that one. Landon, the fans, that, you think the fans are going to boo Brady or cheer Brady? What do you think is going to happen oh, there with no. that? They, they, you don't have to worry about boos coming out that stadium. Right. That's what I figured. <laughs> uh, Landon. Trust, trust on that one. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, Landon, thank you, man. Thanks, Thanks so for much. coming on. You take care of yourself. Keep hitting people, man. All right, man. You guys have a blessed day. Landon Roberts there. He joined Joe Rose and Zach Krantz earlier this week. Remember to listen to them 6 to 10 a.m. right here on your flagship home for the Miami Dolphins who are coming up just a couple of hours. First, though, you're going to hear from Kevin Rogers and Channing Crowder on the Miami Dolphins pregame show. Got a loaded pregame show coming up for you here as we lead up to 1 p.m. The Dolphins and Colts live from Hard Rock Stadium. That's where I'll be. At Alex M. Solana, if you want to connect on social media, that's where you'll find me. Dolphins Colts coming up. Fins up, everybody.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.